0: Welcome back to another incredible episode of the Love Your Bod Pod. I'm your host, I'm Kara Cerencifeli, and I help people heal their relationships with food and their body and ultimately transform their lives, and I love this work. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I am so grateful to have you here. And today we have a really awesome interview with you. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to this. It's with two other women who are sisters who have also recovered from eating disorders, and they're entrepreneurs. They started a nonprofit here in Los Angeles called Gemmed, and they focus on helping teens and young adults recover from eating disorders. And Annie is a licensed marriage and family therapist with over five years experience working with teens and young adults and having lived with and recovered from an eating disorder herself. She is in a unique position to provide insight, support, and guidance. And at GEMD, she develops a therapeutic curriculum that is unique for each session and support group with a focus on treating all aspects of who you are, not just the eating disorder which by the way, that is something I love about gemmed and you're going to get to learn a lot more about their organization and how they help people recover. And if you're in recovery, you're going to gain a lot of insights and very like applicable things that you can add into your life to help you with your recovery process as well. So oof, I'm so excited. This episode is really juicy. And then Ellen is the creative powerhouse of Gemmed with over four years experience in the entertainment public relations industry. She leads much of the PR and marketing efforts of the company in addition to providing mentorship and guidance to GEMD clients. Her own experience with an eating disorder and low self-esteem makes her uniquely qualified to run Gemmed alongside Annie. Now in today's podcast episode, we talk about their unique struggles. With their relationship with food, what recovery looked like for them, and why they decided to start Gemmed. And they share a lot about what you can learn from your eating disorder and what you can learn from the recovery process. Because if you're in recovery, you know that it's really hard, it's really difficult. Recovery is not sunshines and rainbows, as Ellen says in the episode. And so I think you're gonna get a lot of comfort from hearing us talk about the fact that recovery is difficult. And then at the end, we share some incredibly exciting news. We're we're co-hosting five in-person workshops next year in Los Angeles. And you can come in from anywhere to these workshops. And I'm not going to go into all of the details right now in this intro because we talk about the details at the end of the episode. And also, all of the information is on both of our websites at gemmed.ngo or at KarasKitchen.net and that's Kara with the C. So at the end, you'll hear about the workshops. I'm so excited about what we're offering and what we've created. And I'm really excited to get to hang out in person with those of you that come because in-person is unparalleled, it's unmatched, right? Like online interaction is great, but it's no match for in-person. And so I'm really stoked about what we're offering and what we're creating. So stay tuned till the end if you're interested in that. And without further ado, let's get into today's incredible, awesome interview with Annie and Ellen of Gemmed. Annie, Ellen, hi, thank you so much for being here on the Love Your Bod Pod. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited to chat with you guys today. And in typical Love Your Bod Pod fashion, one of my favorite quotes by Steve Jobs is you can't connect the dots looking backward. forwards, you can only connect them looking backwards. You have to trust that the dots will somehow connect in your future. You have to trust in life, God, Karma, whatever. This approach has never let me down and has made all of the difference in my life. So, connect the dots for us, ladies. How did you get to where you are now with this incredible nonprofit organization in Los Angeles helping teens and young adults heal from eating disorders?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I think we both have like some, I mean, we're sisters, so we both have, like, mm-hmm. similar or overlapping pieces of our stories, but we definitely, like, diverge in some ways, too. Um, I'll, I'll start, yeah. I guess. So, like, so for me, I would say um, my first, like, dot, so to speak, was, like, you know, a family trauma that happened to us when I was, like, 12, I guess, and kind of really like set the stage for like feeling like my life was out of control and you know I think a lot of people can identify with like as a kid it's like there's not a lot that is in your control in the first place and then like once things start to really feel out of control it's like whoa super scary and it wasn't like right away that like my relationship with food started to go south I think that was just like a slow burn, so to speak, that set the stage, um, along with like genetic predispositions and all that kind of stuff. Um, where I think, you know, when I was more like 14, 15, um, that's when I started to get a lot of comments that, um, were really highlighting like my body from other people and my, how I looked and my weight. And I was uh, as like a prepubescent child, like as a lot of people are like very thin. I hadn't like gone through puberty yet. Mm-hmm. And there was just like a lot of comments coming in constantly around like, "Oh, you're so thin, and like, aren't you so lucky to be so thin? And a lot of them were like honestly from adults. Um, and it I think it really sealed in my head like this is um, what's beautiful about me, and this is what's important, and this is what people notice about me. So that being said, I think I, it was around like fourteen fifteen when I started to like, Skip meals and a lot of it was around like special occasions like oh I'm going to a pool party so like I have to look thin because I know people are going to comment on that so like I'm not going to eat today or like a school dance like oh I'm not going to eat today um and then I would say like probably about like a half year a year a half later um it, things were like totally out of control
2: mm-hmm.
1: like full-blown um anorexia like later kind of snowballed into like bulimia with an exercising purge like subtype, um, where I would basically like, you know, binge because I was so hungry. And then I would like, you know, work out for like hours afterwards. And totally out of control. And I really just like, I didn't get a lot of help at all, really. And like no one really ever said anything despite being um, you know, now looking back, I was like a BMI that was like, Technically, like, I should have been hospitalized, and I'm like really lucky I didn't die. But, like, it's but, like, I I, I no one knew what to do, no one knew what to say. And I think it goes back to like a lack of education around eating disorders in general. Mm -hmm. And so, I would say, like, a big, you know, dot, so to speak, of my life was like, you know, a lot of opportunities of like kind of scary stuff that was going on, and no one said anything, along with just like missed opportunities for myself around like my life and what I lost. you know i I, ha- I was super isolated in high school and college. um I didn't have like a lot of friends. I missed out on a lot of stuff. I removed myself from any situation that looked like food was gonna be involved. It was like, no, sorry, I'm so busy. like I can't go and like you know it and, yeah, and I like and I miss I didn't study abroad, you know, I like didn't go to parties. Mm-hmm. I like didn't have sleepovers, like all that kind of stuff. I really like lost out on big portions of my life. um. And then I think like when I was, in, I guess it was like more, it was like my senior year of high school where I started to make a conscious choice to have more friends and like spend time with people. And with that came being around food and not that it was like, everything was like cured right away, but it was like a, it was like this like light of like, this is what I want in my life. I'm enjoying this. It's fun to eat with friends. Like this is something that um, I want more of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I definitely continued to struggle in college, and I had a couple like pretty bad relapses. but that that idea of like I like having a meal with friends and I like having like friendships and conversations with people was like a fire that I do think like eventually led me to choose recovery and like, I don't want this for my life anymore and to like build a life that I did kind of want for myself away a disordered relationship with food so I would say that's like broad strokes Mm -hmm. kind Mm -hmm. of what where I started at and where I came to today what about you
2: Mm -hmm. um yeah I think mine was um a little bit of a different timeline but similar pieces like you know a family trauma that for me kind of morphed into um OCD. And once I kind of worked through that, by the time I was in college, it kind of got replaced by an eating disorder. Um, so it was kind of, you know, really restrictive and constant thoughts about body image and what I look like. And it was so obsessive about what was on the outside. And so yeah, actually, I saw a therapist and helped heal through that, but um, I went through a pretty traumatic breakup um, last year, and so I actually had, you know, a small relapse last year as well, which was really, um, really tough, I think morally, because I think sometimes you build it up in your head that if you are recovered, then you think about it a lot, Of like, I'm recovered, it's in the past, and sometimes, you know, things and experiences can sneak up on you, and if you don't realize Um, And have your guard up and, you know, start, you know, looking for those warning signs of old past eating disorder behaviors and thoughts. Um, Before you know it, it can spiral, which is definitely what happened to me. And so it's, you know, something now that I'm super vigilant about. Um, But yeah, you know, in terms of dots, it was kind of, you know, experiences in college, you know, then as I moved to L.A. and was a young adult. And then, you know, around that point, Annie and I came up with the idea. We were both kind of unhappy in our day jobs where we were, and we wanted to work together. And so we started kind of brainstorming ideas of what, you know, like anyone does, you know, with a friend. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. we ran a business. What would we do? do? do?" (laughs) And then, you know, we started thinking about different of our skill sets and our interests and in something with therapy and helping kids or younger um, versions of us and then it just kind of you know the idea came up of what if we you know created this program or some sort of thing that wasn't available for us when we went through eating disorders but that we so wish would have been and so it was kind of incorporating a lot of the things that we had learned in our own recovery experiences around um, developing your healthy self or your soul self. Um, So really building that up, which Mm -hmm. really comes into play with the creative activity that we do at the start of our class. Whether it's a craft, um, it's improv, it's yoga, Mm -hmm. it's, you know, art, art, some sort of healthy Mm -hmm. movement. um, That really helps build up, yeah, that. That soul self that is so important and eating disorder recovery to have that piece of things that you're interested in and that make you happy mm-hmm. on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, eating together, eating a meal together, a mm-hmm. shared meal that is for our clients out of their control. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a catered meal that we choose that mm-hmm. we play for them and they have to finish it, mm-hmm. um, which is really scary for them, mm-hmm. but they do it mm-hmm. and um, You know, like a commitment towards recovery with that, too, Mm -hmm. that, you know, giving up that big piece of control is so hard, but it's so important. So we knew that that had to be a piece of the class. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, a process group at the end to process the meal and then just Mm -hmm. the daily challenges of living with an eating disorder. And so kind of all those little moments from our eating disorders that really we built into this program that, you know, have the big aspects of recovery that helped us move forward. um, It's kind of our story.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like Annie, that your struggle with food developed first. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Ellen, do you think that part of the reason why you ended up developing one later on when you were feeling out of control was because of maybe picking up on Annie's behaviors as a kid? or when you were still at home together?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it's something I've thought about a lot and it's mm-hmm. funny because it almost was actually not I don't want to say the reverse, but having seen what Annie went through and knowing how thin she was and you know, knowing she had an eating disorder and knowing, you know, mm-hmm. there was so little I could do to help, when mine started to develop, I was so in my head of I don't want to restrict too much because I, I don't want to go through what Annie did I don't want to be mm-hmm. like Annie and, you know mm-hmm. not in a way that I was like ashamed of you but in a way of like I saw how sick yeah, you were it was, like scary and I knew yeah. that if I let myself restrict mm-hmm. too much and on that path so a lot of my eating disorder in college was very um, it was restriction for sure but it was more based around my body image and I was so careful about eating during the day even you know I was choosing things that were super low calorie and I was always thinking about the food and thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, choosing my, my calories and things like that. But I was so careful not to go too far down the slope because I didn't, I, I, I saw kind of what happened. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of interesting how my mind kind of took it as like a warning story, but I Mm -hmm. still did it, but it was like, okay, do it a little bit, but don't go so far. Mm -hmm. But you know, and it's, you know, still totally still totally damaging and everything but you know it's our funny how our minds make up these little rules of you can do it but
1: just you know it's okay if like you're doing I mean because well, yours was like more like the orthorexia kind of mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. thing of like quote-unquote like good foods bad foods like that kind of stuff and I think that an interesting piece too and this like says like so much about our family but like we When, while I was, like, very, very ill um, for many, many years, me having an eating disorder, those words in our family were never said. Like, no one was ever, like, hey, I think you're anorexic, or, like, hey, I think you have, like, bulimia, and no one said anything like that. It was always, um, like, Annie's food issues was, like, this, like, weird kind of, like, trope about it Mm -hmm. and then like when it would be brought up by I don't think you ever really brought it up I don't want to say I think it was more like my parents yeah getting scared every once in a while and like they would like sit me down and be like you need to eat like like, this is not okay and as I think a lot of people with an e disorder can probably relate to it was like World War III like I was like and I'm a pretty mellow person usually, and I'm pretty calm, and, like, those were some, like, very brief flashes of, like, <laughs> very extreme anger, yeah. and I would be, like, oh, my, fine, there's nothing wrong with me, you guys are crazy, like, stop it, and, but it was never sad, like, it was never, like, you have an eating disorder, like, you need help, like, clearly something's going on, mm-hmm. it was always, like, this, like, kind of subtext, and then it would, like, kind of go away, and, like, no one would talk about it for a while, and I was, like, okay, great, I'm safe, like, I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone knows, like, like, (laughs) no, like, ridiculous, um, because it was so, it was, like, so based in, like, obviously secrecy for me, so it was this, like, weird kind of, like, mirroring, I think, that was going on in our family, a total of, like, Mm -hmm. me holding the secret so tightly, and, like, being, like, no one knows, right, like, God forbid anyone knows, like, what is going on in my head, um, and then, like, almost our family being, like, I guess, like, secretive in response, I think, to it if right. that makes sense.
0: Do you feel like your parents not being fully like upfront about it or, or fully saying like, yo, this is really what's going on or this is what we're seeing. What do you think had them act that way or tr- respond to you and what was happening that way?
1: Yes. Um, so I think a couple things. Mm-hmm. So number one, I think it was, like, a lack of education with my parents, which is, like, not uncommon, I think, for the generation around just, like, mental health being, like, this, like, taboo topic, and, like, there's nothing wrong, not our daughter, like, our straight A, like, yeah. you know, perfect daughter, like, she doesn't have, like, a mental illness, Um, mm-hmm. so I think there was that layer of it, and then I think, like, there was also, again, like, the shame kind of piece, like, my own shame and then being I think mirrored in our family like them I think in a lot of ways picking up on that and Mm -hmm. like a year ago I also like was feeling a lot of resent like continued resentment towards my parents for like hey I almost died and like no one did anything (laughs) like it was kind of just like Annie's food issues and like I was like really bad yeah and um I, I actually like had my parents go to like therapy with me and like kudos to them for like doing it and like joining me on that journey because like I'm sure it was not easy for them um but a lot of like what came out around that was them just being like we had no idea it was bad which I think for me kind of highlighted like I like the secret that I was keeping I was better at it than I thought I was like it really was extremely secretive and like not that they didn't know something was going on but they did but to the extent of what it was I think like even now they still kind of struggle to be like it was that bad like you were that unhappy like and it was it's hard for them to know right and I and
2: it's hard it's hard when your parents don't understand mental health and different disorders and things to the capacity that you do and I Mm -hmm. think our generation has become really amazing at speaking up about mental health, whether it's with ourselves, you know, or making memes about it and jokes about it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's so good to have that conversation out there. And I, having seen what Annie went through growing up and our parents just not getting it, um, when I was in college and was going Mm -hmm. through my eating disorder, I I just, you know, I was, you know, I was still on their insurance and I was, you know, I told them, I was like, hey, like, I have an eating disorder and I'm going to go to therapy and like, you're going to pay for it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it was just, being an adult with an eating disorder is a lot. Yeah. You have so much more freedom, freedom in your own recovery than when Annie was 16 and Mm -hmm. living under our parents' house and, you know, living in their house. And like, she didn't really have the option. Like it was just, I didn't know how to like advocate for myself exactly exactly and I think you know me seeing you go through that helped me be able to advocate for myself more so it's Mm -hmm. definitely not something that every you know young adult is able to do but Mm -hmm. with that it was kind of like I saw I was like okay like my parents are never like gonna do anything Mm -hmm. so you know I better speak up now and like Mm -hmm. say what it is otherwise you know I'm just gonna stay like this forever Mm -hmm. and you know I think you know moving forward from that time I think Annie and I have done a really good job of keeping each other accountable yeah um because we both are you know we're best friends but and we know each other so well that we can really pick Mm -hmm. up on when it seems like someone's slipping or Mm -hmm. like choosing something that you know is you know, either a dietary lifestyle or something, it's, like, I think we've become really good at calling each other out mm-hmm. in a nice way, but, like, hey, like, are you really going vegan because you care about animals, or are you going vegan because you, like, or are you looking for answers, like, that right, kind of stuff? right, and so I think that's been something that we've carried through in our relationship, and there's a level of accountability now that we run our own business for teens and young adults with eating disorders that we, we have to practice what we preach. It's, mm-hmm. It becomes almost like ethically a business liability. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we were to be engaging in eating disorder behaviors by day and then mm-hmm. teaching, you know, our students mm-hmm. not to do it by night, like, you know, it's just, it wouldn't, you know, it would just be so wrong. So I think there's been a lot of things moving forward from our own experiences that have helped keep us on the track. Of recovery.
0: And uh, yeah. Yeah. So Annie, I know that you're a therapist and Ellen, you and I are similar in teaching from experience and advocating for ourselves and having your guys's background. What had you decide that you wanted to form the nonprofit specifically? Like what had you decide together that this was the avenue that you were going to take? So for example, like why nonprofit as opposed to a regular for-profit? Why, um, have group, have these group sessions? I don't think, do you offer anything individual?
1: I do like my own private practice on the side, but not in terms of like our nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. So just what had you decide to go down this route? You know, just as a fellow entrepreneur, I can imagine like the paperwork <laughs> out to like get that certification. Like I just would love to know what had you choose that route. Yeah. Um,
1: gosh, I think I think, like, so for me, like, therapy-wise, like, for a long time, I actually, like, stayed away from working with eating disorders specifically. My um, background was in trauma, which, like, is related to eating disorders, but it was more with, um you know, teen and adult populations and, like, heavy trauma. I do, like, EMDR, which is, like, a very specific thing for PTSD, and so, mm-hmm. and part of that was a conscious decision on my part of, like, I don't want to work with eating disorders unless I am, like, very secure in my own and my own healing with eating because like I don't want to like harm anybody else you know mm-hmm. so and I've been a therapist for like you know oh my gosh like seven eight years now so like in the beginning I was like no I'm not going to work with eating disorders. I'm not like ready um and then there came a point where I was like you know like I I was working I was working in juvenile hall and so and which was like another story for another day but like it's like you know (laughs) I was like and I loved it and I loved the kids I worked with and um and then I worked in the foster care system too and I loved that and I loved the teenagers that I worked with but I was there was a certain thing where I was like I I've never been in a fight you know like I've like I I've never been in jail like I don't like (laughs) I can't like I can only relate to you so much and so like I I felt like I was missing like a piece of like relating to my clients. And I really, I I know this is like kind of like, I don't want to say controversial, but kind of, in like at least the therapy world. Mm -hmm. I think that the best therapist match for a client is someone who has to a degree been through or had peripheral experience of what you're going through. Um, And that can be very broad, right? Like someone else has like been through trauma and you've been through trauma. So, you know, bonding on that. Um, and I think specifically with eating disorders, they are so nuanced, and there is so much diet culture that I think it is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important to have someone, a healing, a healing professional, whether it's like a therapist or a life coach or a dietitian or whatever, who has experience in that. So I felt like I had a lot to give because, like, obviously I had been through like you know hell and back with my own experience, and so that's when I think I. I started to choose more to work with eating disorders in like my own private practice and things like that. Um, And I found it incredibly fulfilling. And as far as like business wise, I think like, I
2: think when thinking about the way that we wanted the business to look, and we knew we wanted to do nonprofit, to come from a place of mission above profit that was really important to us we didn't want it to seem like we were capitalizing on eating disorders to make a buck which you know there's a ton of you know folks who run, you know, just regular LLCs and brain disorders or any other thing. And that's, it's, you know, it's totally fine. I think for us, we just, that was a piece of like, just how we felt about it, just between us, Mm -hmm. you know, super individualized personal decision does not, you know, mean it's right or wrong. Um, And then we wanted in part of our class, we, um, so in the creative activity, we have volunteers that come in and teach all that portion. So, you know, volunteers who teach calli- calligraphy and yoga and astrology and, you know, mindfulness or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever activity we're doing that day. So that was another piece. So great. We can get, um, have volunteers come in and, you know, save money that way. And yeah. And then from there, you know, I think my background is in um, public relations. So I was, I had some experience in being able to kind of craft some messaging around our company and as we started putting together like the bare bones of, you know, um, a mission statement and things like that. And then we, you know, had to hire a lawyer for, to get, you know, do, do the, um, the 501 C three paperwork and everything like that. And From there, you know, it was pretty seamless. And so that gave us the freedom being able to do push that work, to him, and it gave us the opportunity to really hone in more on our messaging and use the time you know when we were both still working our other jobs at the time, and mm-hmm.
0: we only had
1: we were meeting up on Saturdays just to work on
2: this,
0: yeah,
1: I'd say like the other important aspect of like being a nonprofit too is that we really wanted to incorporate outreach um Mm -hmm. as far as like education with eating disorders um Mm -hmm. just given our own experience of having like a lot of really unhealthy behaviors like greenlit so to speak by like um doctors medical professionals nurses teachers Teachers, counselors. counselors of being like oh cool like you're not eating like that's fine and um and people just like being afraid to talk about eating disorders, mm-hmm. which is, like, understandable, given kind of what I said before around, like, my own reaction of, like, when my parents were bringing it up, it was, like, you know, fireworks, yeah. um, and, like, we, so we do a lot of, like, outreach work around, like, you know, this is what to expect when you talk to someone about an eating disorder. It's not going to be a fun conversation. Yeah. They are going to be defensive, like, and you need to have it again, because, like, they can't think for themselves right now of what's best for them, and you need to, be their advocate and to help them make a choice that they can't in their malnourished state. Right, and so being a nonprofit helps us be able to take meetings with doctors
2: and get into schools um, to have those discussions with um, staff and, and parents.
0: Yeah, I can see how unbelievably invaluable that is. Also just like referencing back to your own story, Annie, about being in being so defensive whenever Mm -hmm. anyone brought anything up like hey annie you need to eat and you'd be like i'm fine i can imagine listening have been in situations like that where they're just pretending everything is fine and that it's good and part of it is you might be in denial that you're struggling and the other part of it is that you just like you don't want to give it up like you're not Mm -hmm. ready and so i think being able to educate all of these different people in your community about like what to look for and how to have those types of conversations and how to be an advocate for someone who isn't advocating for themselves Mm -hmm. is so invaluable and so helpful. And like you had mentioned a little bit earlier, I agree with you that I think that the person who's going to be most equipped to help you heal from an eating disorder is someone who's had an eating disorder because if you don't have personal experience with it, diet culture is so pervasive and it's really easy for your disordered behaviors with food to be masked by things that are promoted as healthy and good for you in diet culture. Like for example, intermittent fasting, yeah. and yeah. think it's hard for someone who's never had personal experience to be like, Oh, you're intermittent fasting. Like, great. I've heard all these good things about it. And not, <laughs> are you actually just like skipping meals? So I'm with you a hundred percent. I think that when it comes to, I can't speak on any other area, but mm-hmm. at least personally with eating disorders, I think that it's like, why take directions from someone who's never been where you're going? Yeah. Right. right so, mm-hmm. to speak. so I'd love to know what are some of the biggest life lessons you guys have learned from your eating disorders? And they can be in any area of life. And then if you have some of those life lessons that you've learned that have then led to what you teach, I'd love to hear about that as well. Okay, I'll start. So I would say got several, but I'll start with my biggest
1: one. So I would say like for a long time, I had a very contentious relationship with my own history and my eating disorder. And meaning that I was very angry at what I had lost. I was very angry at my history. I was very angry at everyone who didn't um, keep me like safe, I guess. And like, you know, be like, you need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, and I was really sad around like everything that I missed. And so I just had like a very contentious relationship with like, oh my God, like I missed out on a lot of my life. And I think that a huge, um, pivot point for me or, like, a big difference that in my own recovery and, like, just, like, my work with myself was rather than hating my eating disorder, it was, like, what was my eating disorder trying to do for me during my life rather than being this, like, monster because from a therapy perspective, internal family systems, this is kind of, like, a big tenant. It's, like, what are you, what are, what are your maladaptive behaviors, like, trying to do for you, because, like, we as humans, we don't do something for nothing, like, even when it comes to, like, you know, heroin use, like, it's, like, it's coming from a place of, like, I'm trying to do something for you, like, numbing out, so to speak, because you can't handle, like, whatever's going on mm-hmm. in your life, mm-hmm. um, and so, for me, it was, like, okay, so, like, what is my eating disorder, like, what has it been trying to do for me, all yet like, not well, like it hasn't been like effective or like helpful, like in the long term, but it's been trying to help me out. And so, for me, like, their realization was my eating disorder has tried to provide a sense of safety, a sense of control, mm-hmm. a sense of predictability mm-hmm. and normalcy. And when I look at it that way, I um, it really shifted like the relationship that I had with my past and my behaviors, and like. The piece of me that does really like control and is perfectionistic. And it became more about like gratitude, so to speak, around like, I'm, you know, I'm really grateful that like for a time in my life when I was really struggling with all of that stuff, like something was there to like try and help me. And it ended up obviously like being very harmful, but it was trying to help me. And even now, like if I get like a thought or like, you know, a behavior or something that comes up where it's like, you know, restrictive length or something like that it's like oh like thanks you know eating disorder for like trying to keep me safe or trying to keep my life predictable but like I don't need you right now like I'm not you know 16 anymore like I'm not you know 15 I'm 30 like I can like I have a lot more skills in my pocketbook that I can um, rely upon Mm -hmm. rather than feeling like upset or defeated or angry towards that part of myself, because at the end of the day, having that anger and resentment was really, like, directed towards me and my own, in my own past and history, which is very, I think, caustic and, like, detrimental, so I would say that is, like, a big, like, life lesson of just, like, reframing, like, how I thought my own history, and I do think that I had to go through that period of, like, being really angry about it, because, I was emotionally shut off when I was, like, going through everything, so, like, I didn't have, like, any emotions, I was around the entire time, and so I, a lot of it was very, like, retroactive, like, now it's my time to be angry, because i was never angry about it before, mm-hmm. but, like, as far as, like, letting go and dropping the bags of, like, that anger and resentment, I think that was a big piece for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Totally relate to that, and I think, for me, kind of, you know, some of these, some of the things that I think about a lot, and that I've learned from my own, um therapists and other people on my treatment teams in the past have been this idea of like, it's okay to be frustrated with the recovery journey. I think, especially when I had my relapse um, last year and I was in the place where I was weight restoring and it was, I was just so, I felt like so annoyed at everything because it was so like, I had to eat all the time and I didn't want to eat, you know, it, it, it's like I did, but it was so tiring. And I felt like I was just, you know, thinking about my eating disorder all the time. That's all my day was. And it was like, you know, my therapist was like, you know, I get it. You know, she was like, it's, it, you know, recovery isn't fun all the time. And it's not always like sunshine and rainbows. And I think that's something that we talk to our clients a lot about where it's okay for you to be in our group and be frustrated and be pissed off and like, not want to eat the meal that we just set out for you and want, and you know, you want to throw it at our face (laughs) and, you know, and that's fine. Like feel all of those things. Kind of what Annie was saying. So like feel that anger, feel the frustration of having to do this. And then, you know, by able by being able to feel that piece, you also feel the gratitude, the happiness, the joy, the freedom that you get on the other side of recovery. Um, so that was a big piece for me. And then also the idea that like recovery isn't linear, um, which I, you know, we talk to our clients a lot about and I think a lot about kind mm-hmm. of, you know, every day, just this idea of like, you know, it's a chart that's going up and there can be little bumps along the road, but you're still moving upwards. Mm-hmm. And those little dips don't, you know, they're just a dip. It doesn't mean you're back to square one. There's mm-hmm. no, you know, you don't, it's not like, or even if
1: it's a big dip, like there's still a lot to learn from it.
2: All that. Yeah, exactly. The end of the story. So, you know, those are two of the biggest lessons that I think I learned. And, and I take with me, um, in other ways throughout my life, you know, this idea that, you know, our business journey is not linear. We're going Mm -hmm. to have bumps in the road. It's going to be hard. You know, it's not running a business together and quitting our jobs Mm -hmm. and being, you know, like like, this is gonna be so awesome. Yeah, this is gonna be so (laughs) awesome. Like it's not always, you know, like I said, sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns, you know, we can both just be like annoyed and like, oh this is so hard. And it doesn't mean that we don't love it, but like It just, there's you don't have to be like so optimistic and like, you know, it's not realistic all the time. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You guys had touched on some really great Mm -hmm. points. Like Annie, you had, you had talked about how like this was something that happened for you. Right. And you had talked about how it was serving a purpose at the time that we, we only engage in behaviors to get something out of it. Like there's a payoff in it or something we're reaching for or something we're trying to feel have in our life. You had said like safety and control. And I think that that is really, really true. And I think that having that perspective allows you to not have so much shame, but it allows you to have compassion of like, I'm just trying to feel love. I'm just trying to feel acceptance. I'm just trying to feel safe. And I've always believed that when we look from the perspective that things are happening for us, Mm -hmm. we're able to see the lessons. We're able to see what it is that we're Trying to accomplish, maybe accomplish isn't the best fitting word, but like, what is it that is here for us? What can we learn? What can we take away? How is this happening so that we can grow and evolve and be more equipped to deal with things in the future? Because, like you said, Ellen, recovery Mm -hmm. is not linear, it's not a straight line. I always say recovery is a motherfucking scribble. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And like, it is. And it's, and, and I loved that you had said that, like, it's okay to like, to like not enjoy the recovery process because yeah. it's hard. Like going through recovery is like the messy middle and you're going to have good days and bad days and like you said, as long as you keep showing up for yourself to the best of your ability, you're eventually going to get there. Like I truly believe yeah. that recovery is possible. That doesn't mean you're not going to have those dips. It doesn't mean you're not going to have those hard days, but it's an opportunity to continue to show up and show resilience, you know, mm-hmm. and and continue to persist, so to speak, and do those hard things like eat the food, talk about what you don't want to talk about, you know? Totally. Totally. So you had earlier in the conversation, you had mentioned a little bit about your guys' philosophy at GEM, about how you incorporate the activity, you incorporate the mealtime, and you incorporate the group processing session, which is like group therapy, so to speak. And this was a model created out of the pillars of your unique recovery process. So I'd love to know, can you talk a little bit more about why you find this mind, body, spirit approach to be so powerful and transformative for those in recovery or those who are wanting to recover? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm we built GEMD and like the pieces
1: around it and the other components to address not only like, I guess like top down brain activity versus like bottom up quote unquote. And so like top down brain functioning is like when you're like talking about things and it's like engaging like your frontal cortex and like thinking about things and like, wow, what does that word mean to me? And like, let's Uh change our thinking and like all that kind of stuff, like the group therapy kind of aspect, which is super important. And I think what often gets um, not included or discounted is like the bottom up kind of brain activity. And those are the things like engaging your reptilian brain or like um, your more emotional side of your brain. And that's things like doing things, you know, and like doing um, art and doing yoga and, you know, dance and improv and doing things where you are cha- like literally in the moment challenging the rigidity that comes with an eating disorder and right. being more flexible, which translates also to like mealtime food. And mm-hmm. we really felt that that gets left out of a lot of treatment unless you're in like, you know, an IOP or an intensive outpatient program or higher or partial hospitalization. Right. And not every, num- number one, not everyone's insurance is going to cover that. Number two, not everyone has access to something like that. And or they're not like, sick, you know, yeah, deemed, just, deemed sick enough. Sick
2: enough um, that By they, insurance companies, yeah, that that they would qualify that, or they can't afford it, or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So we wanted to make sure that like those important pieces of recovery are brought into our group. And what we see generally is like the most movement around. Um, so, like, when we tell people, we're like, oh, yeah, we do, like, an activity, and then we do eat together, and then we do group, and people are like, oh, the group therapy must be, like, the most important piece, and I'm like, it is important, but I would say, like, we see the most movement um, around, like, the activity portion yeah. of things, of, like, discovering, like, this is really fun, and I, I haven't been making room for things like this in my life, because I've been so consumed with my eating disorder, um, or my body image issues, and and, and it's, and I really do believe it's because it's really accessing a different part of your brain yeah. during those portions. And that's something to, you know, we bring it in from our own experience in recovery. Mm-hmm. And um,
2: that was a big piece for me. It was like, I needed hobbies at the time of my recovery to take the place of my eating disorder. Like I didn't do anything, but think about my eating disorder and what I was going to eat and exercise all mm-hmm. the time. So. When I when that piece got taken away, then it was like I was like, what do I do with my time? So you know, at the time in college, like I got really into crafting, and I would make it like I would like print out song lyrics that I like. Mm-hmm. It was like very emo, and then I like <laughs> decorated and glitter and framed them. But like that was like soothing mm-hmm. to me. And then you know, it's like I do um, like a dance class, or mm-hmm. you know, trying to incorporate movement that has nothing to do with burning calories or sweating you know Mm -hmm. it's just like slow movements and things Mm -hmm. like that and so you know, and you know, what we talk about with that, like that soul self, which is so important in ED recovery is like accessing that. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, this is such a good way to access that. And the goal was not for our clients to be like, Oh my God, like I have, you know, I did calligraphy, I'm going to do calligraphy for the rest of my life. Like you, it may click with you. It may not. But the idea is to just try new things, see what you like. Mm-hmm. And you know, what we find a lot of times our clients are like, God, you know like you know with arts and crafts I haven't done this in years like I forgot how much fun it is just to like make a little thing Mm -hmm. and do it Mm -hmm. and like the idea just has never occurred to them that they could do this on their own time yeah so that's kind of where that piece came in and then with the meal time that's obviously you know harkens back to how difficult it was for both of us to like share a meal with friends Mm -hmm. and you know we always explain it like okay when you know to our clients and intakes it's like annie and i will plate the meal for you Mm -hmm. it's essentially mimicking if you were to go over to a friend's house and they served you up dinner um you the polite thing to do is eat what's on your plate yeah you know so it's like it's trying to train them in that idea of being able to give up that control Mm -hmm. eat socially with friends Mm -hmm. we don't talk about the food at the table we talk Mm -hmm. about you know, normal dinner table conversation Mm -hmm. like news and music and what happened at school and Mm -hmm. what are you doing this weekend, Mm -hmm. things that are, you know, normal people who have normal relationships with food do, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not silently eating, you're not getting meal exchanges, like you're not weighing your food, you're not weighing your food, you're not like separating it out and putting your meat over here and this over here Mm -hmm. and then you're eating in a recovered way. Yeah, in a recovered way. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that's kind of like our philosophy around the meal portion. Yeah. And then, you know, the group therapy, it's like we do different activities during groups. Sometimes we just process with what people are going through that mm-hmm. week. Um, and our goal in that is to really build up this community for our clients, of other people who they can talk to about it. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's, you, having that group support is a huge piece in recovery mm-hmm. um, and having a support system that um, you have
1: never had before.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And a lot of our clients have never like talked about it. So it's like a big, you know, first step.
0: Yeah, I can see how all of those components are incredibly important and crucial to the recovery process, not only from just hearing your guys' story, but even like looking at my journey and the different clients that I've worked with over the years about how Talking about it is incredibly important and talking about it with others, incredibly important. That community piece I think is unparalleled. I think it's so isolating to have an eating disorder and we can have so much shame and we don't talk about it. And like talking about it is a huge part of how we heal, especially as women, like we have the gift of gab, but men as well. I'd love all men to talk about their feelings more. And, and I... Think that when you combine it with these action pieces, in addition to the talking and the downloading and the working through things and the perspective shifting and getting related to other people who are going through the same thing, but then combine that with these different activities that you guys are doing to have fun, to express yourself, to get out of your shell to just engage in behaviors, so to speak, that have nothing to do with the types of behaviors and actions that you were engaging in in your eating disorder. And then of course, mealtime, like, duh, you know, get, like eating, yeah. eating food, eating food that wasn't like the healthiest thing on the menu or the type, like often you can have OCD behaviors with food. And so you like only will eat like green food or you like will only eat like peanut butter with apples, whatever it is. Here's this opportunity to like really face your fears, to really stretch yourself, and like take incredible action in a really, really safe, safe container yeah. to like eat the foods, to face your fears, and like you said, to be in that conversation. I could just think that the combination of what you guys offer people is why it's so effective, and I think it's really what sets you guys apart. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah totally, yeah. Yeah,
0: totally. So, on that note, I am <laughs> I'm so excited to share with all of the listeners, especially those of you on, like, the West Coast region, that we're going to host some workshops together in 2020. Ooh, yeah, we're going to give people an opportunity in LA of all ages to be able to come together to experience what it's like to be in a community, to have fun exploring these activities. And so we created a five-part workshop series. So we're not just doing one day. We really want to support you guys through this process. So we're actually doing a five-part workshop series. We're going to have one workshop a month for five months, starting in January. And it is called Embodied. And our intention with Embodied is to help you guys restore body acceptance, to heal your relationship with food, and connect to a supportive community. And through the various activities that are going to be included in the workshops, like the dancing, the acting, the improv, the arts and crafts, you're going to get more embodied. You're going to have an opportunity to be in your body and like do stuff. And then we're going to be healing your relationship with food by having us share meals together. And then of course the group therapy, you're going to get to be with people and you don't have to be alone. You can talk to other people. And this is like such a beautiful combination uh, that we're offering for people.
1: Uh, Like, I just like, I've personally haven't like seen stuff like this, you know, especially like a series too. I think it's so unique and like a great opportunity for anyone that's looking for like community and like support. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the,
2: the topics that we've come up with and the themes that we've come up with for each month I think are things that are really relevant right now. Mm -hmm. And um, so in January, our theme for January is New Year. Mm -hmm. And what we're talking about then is this idea of tackling New Year's resolutions that have nothing to do with dieting losing mm-hmm. weight you know it's almost like new year same me you mm-hmm. know it, it's not like new year and me i have to change everything about me mm-hmm. this year and so it's like what are, what goals can we set that have nothing to do with weight loss and you know have things that help build up that soul self that have mm-hmm. nothing to do with Um, you know, and like, what do you want your life to look like this year? Mm -hmm. You know, actually your life, not your body, your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're going to be doing some mood boards and Mm -hmm. some fun stuff like that to help piece together what it's going to look like. Yeah. And then, you know, all the, the workshops, they mimic our class structure where we're going to do activity, Mm -hmm. meal Mm -hmm. process group, but it's just more extended. So it's longer. So Mm -hmm. we'll do multiple process groups will do, you know, have a longer meal
1: time and things like that. Yeah, um, a longer activity. Mm-hmm. So it's like um starting at around like I think two in the afternoon and then it goes to like around seven PM. So like mm-hmm. talk about getting a bang for your buck. Like you know, you're there for hours and you yeah. get like multiple process groups and you get like an activity and you get a meal and like a lot of different stuff where it's not like, oh, I'm gonna come in and like do an hour of like talking and then I'm gonna leave. Like it's actually like quite intensive and like you get, and it's fun. You're going to leave
2: with, you know, new hobbies, new coping skills, obviously things from the activity that we do, but you're Mm -hmm. also going to leave with having met people who Mm -hmm. go through the same thing that you do. Yeah. And like new friends and Mm -hmm. living in LA, I think we all know how hard it is sometimes to, and even anywhere, how hard is to make friends as an adult? It's hard. It's hard to like find people that you connect with Mm -hmm. unless you like at work or like at a party or something so even it's then. like even <laughs> then yeah so it's nice you know you know we just love the idea of like putting a bunch of people in the room in a room together who have one big thing in common mm-hmm. which is you know they want to talk about body image like we want to talk about eating disorders mm-hmm. and talk about you know how like you know what's going on mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you want to share with us the remaining workshops? You had mentioned January is all about setting new intentions for ourselves that aren't about weight loss. Can you walk us through February through May? So February is going to focus on like relationships and body image. So like how
1: is disordered eating or body image um, affecting your love life, Mm -hmm. how does it come up in dating? how does it incorporate in how you view yourself and love yourself as well, Um, and the activity for that class is going to be yoga and breath work and meditation, and then just like
2: really getting into your body, you know, we're going to be talking about, you know, kind of like getting into your body, and then kind of we're going to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. with some movement.
1: And then in March, we're going to do intuitive eating focus, so kind of like a panel where you're getting stuck with intuitive eating, um, what's yeah. getting in the way, what do you want to embrace, what fears do you have around embracing intuitive eating? Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a registered dietitian um, come in, yeah. Eve of Vitamin Eve, who has a TED talk on this and is yeah. very legit. She's <laughs> so she's going to yeah. come in and participate as well to answer like all of your about that. Um, and then we're gonna do the activity is gonna be in a calligraphy class and so writing like self-mantras
2: mm-hmm. um, for
1: that class right like what you want for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And then um, so that's March and then in April is gonna be friendship. And so that's incorporating like how is disordered eating holding back from friendships. Like right. do you have like brotherhood or sisterhood wounds that are impacting your ability to connect with other people. Mm-hmm um and just like living in Los Angeles and diet culture as well and how that like tends to be a focus of a lot of like friendships and how to break away right and, like conversations, yeah and things like that
2: mm-hmm. and we're going to do some improv and acting work mm-hmm. with uh, some folks who are going to come in who do improv for their day job and so they're going to kind of teach us
1: ways to like you know loosen up loosen up <laughs> which is fun yeah. I need that. Then, oh my god <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then in May, um, we're going to focus on rebelling. So mm-hmm. that's like breaking free from diet, yeah. culture, and like embracing your inner rebel, which is so right. often like not talked about with women, I think in particular, yeah. it's like, you know, you're allowed to like embrace your inner rebel and speak up and take up space and speak out. Yeah. Um, And I'm super excited for this activity yes. because we're going to be doing like jean jackets out of embellishments. So I have a volunteer who works in style and fashion come in and help like with embellishment and like kind of like
2: patches Mm -hmm. and like kind of like making this idea of like having you're going to make like your own jean jacket armor
1: and Mm -hmm. like that's like totally
2: you and embodies like how you want to feel um and you can put whatever you want on it and so we're going to all do that together and then it's just going to be really cool yeah
0: Yeah, I, there's, there's so much value included in these workshops, like the value there's value included in each individual day. And when you look at them collectively as a group, you can really see your opportunity for growth and transformation and to really move the needle forward in terms of getting to a place where you're, where you have more body acceptance, where you are more at peace with food and to also then be able to walk away with friends is so awesome I'm so excited about this even having you guys go through and list out like what we're doing I'm over here like getting so excited (laughs) like this is gonna be so cool and and we really want those that like who live I mean you can live anywhere if you want to come out for this like cool make a vacay out of it but I'm really really excited for us to get to you know take the conversation offline and to really come together and be in person I at least know for me personally like so much of my interaction with my community, with my clients, is virtual. Like we might see each other on like Zoom camera. So I'm really excited to get to like hang out together and to get to do these things in person. Because while online is amazing, it's not a substitute for in person, real human connection. So I'm totally stoked. We have so many amazing volunteers lined up to come in and teach uh, different activities. Like you mentioned, we're gonna have Eve, the dietitian, come in and teach all of intuitive eating. Like. And the food, it's just going to be so epic. I'm so excited about that.
1: It's going to be so much fun.
0: And it's on a Saturday too. So
1: like, it's like easy, you know, because so often people are like, I have a job. I can't do a support group. And it's like, it's a Saturday. So it's like really, you um, can like make time for
2: it. If you work on Saturdays, like put in the time off, like, and it's just, you know, a few hours in the afternoon, but you're going to get so much for it in the weeks, days and weeks to come. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So all of the information is going to be on, it's on your guys' website at gemmed.ngo. That's gemme d.ngo. The info will be in the show notes. You can also go to my website, cariskitchen.net, and go under the work with me tab. You'll see the page for embodied. So if you guys want all of the details, further description of what we're doing on each day, ticket prices, wow. ticket details, you know, our, our hope is that you're going to come to all five, but if you just come to one, like awesome, you're still going to have a great fucking time. And like you said, it's on Saturday. So don't blame traffic, yo. Get your butt. (laughs) And I feel like any, like, and you don't
1: have to live in Los Angeles. Like we said, like even like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Like if you're in the Inland Empire, if you're
0: in Santa Barbara, like if you're in San Diego, like just drive up. So let's wrap this up. I'd love to hear from each of you ladies. What's your favorite quote?
2: um yeah I have one that's just so fun and it's my phone background right now and it's a picture of Sailor Moon um who I just like grew up watching that cartoon but it's it's a quote it's like you can't fight evil on an empty stomach and I look and I see it every day because it's my background but then when I like think about it I'm like it's so true like you know mm-hmm. whatever your evil you're facing that day I'm always like I look at it I'm like oh yeah like I need to eat oh, yeah like I'm hungry you know it's just so you can't fight evil on an empty stomach you just
1: can't yes. so that is my favorite quote for sure I'm just pulling mine out right now <laughs> okay so mine is actually is this okay it's a poem it's kind of, it's, it's a little more hefty, but I feel like it's very um, important. Okay. I'm really rigid and it has to be a quote. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this poem, um, it's by, I believe Aaron Hansen and it's called not. So oh, here we go. So you are not your age, nor the size of clothes you wear. You are not your weight or the color of your hair. You are not your name or the dimples in your cheeks. You are in all the books you read and all the words you speak. You are your curvy, morning voice and the smiles you tried to hide. You're the sweetness in your laughter and every tear you cried. You're the songs you sing so loudly when, you're, when you know you're all alone. You're the places that you've been to and the one that you call home. You're the things that you believe in. You're the people that you love. You're the photos in your bedroom and the future you dream of. You're made of so much beauty, but it seems that you forgot when you decided you were defined by all the things you're not.
0: Hmm. So powerful. Yeah. yeah. it's such a good one. Yeah, that's beautiful. You got to send me a link to that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah. 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 This was so incredible. Yes. Thank you for having us. Thank, thank it's you so, so much. It's just so good to talk about this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> where can our listeners find you guys? We said your website, but where are you guys on social media? Social media. We're on Instagram at the inner gem. Um, B T H E inner gem. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you. you.
1: Bye.
0: And that is our episode for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Love Your Bod Pod. If you got a lot out of today's episode, please leave a ratings and review on iTunes or share it with a friend who you know would benefit or share it in your Instagram stories. I love seeing that. I'm always so grateful. And the giveaway is still going on. So if you leave a ratings and review on iTunes and you screenshot a picture of your review and send it to me in my Instagram DMs, you're automatically entered. And you're going to get to choose either from a copy of my first book, Body Wisdom, or a 30-minute coaching session with me. And that's going on through the holiday seasons. I wanted to create a way to give back to all of you guys for all of your support and love over the last year or so of the Love Your Bod Pod. So... Thank you for tuning in and if you have any questions about the workshops, shoot me a DM and just a friendly quick reminder that the cookbook, Vegan Bootables, is also available for pre-order. You can get all of the links in the show notes or at my website. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I'll see you all next week.